What's going on, folks? This is Trey Wynn, and welcome into a new episode of Titan Up Talk. This is the presentation of Chat 10 Sports, and this week I'm joined by Chase Green, who's filling in for Bowen Ali, and we've also got a very special guest, Mr. Eric Roddy. He's the former editor and publisher of CBS Sports Dolphin Report. He now works as the content director for Pro Football Network's Offensive Share Metric, and he's an editor for their AFC South section as well. He lives in Nashville, Tennessee. He's a diehard Miami Dolphins fan, and he's also appeared on Sirius XM Radio to talk Dolphins as well. We want to get his take with a massive change at the at the helm. Mr. Marcus Mariota is no longer the starter for the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill comes in to start this week, and Eric's going to tell us what to expect, what his strengths, weaknesses are, and kind of give us a breakdown since we do not know a lot. We've had a quarter and a half of, of Ryan Tannehill in two-tone blue but to see what he can do to help the Titans get a win this week. But if you're new to us, check us out at chat10sports.com. Find all of our podcast feeds, social media links, and of course, read our articles there as well. But without further ado, hope you have a great rest of your week. Tighten up and enjoy the podcast. All righty, folks. I've got Eric Roddy and Chase Green here talking some Tennessee Titans on this episode of Tighten Up Talk. Guys, how are we doing? I'm good, baby. How are you guys? I'm good. I'm I'm ready to see uh ready to see Ryan Tannehill in action. I know what a week for Titans fans. I know it's pretty divisive on the Twitter right now. Uh, it's it has been a crazy man season last few weeks. Uh, got a win in Atlanta that kind of eased up some of the tension. But obvious this week, uh, this change in in the reins and the quarterbacking. Uh, obviously, Marcus Martin has been benched. Do you guys think Ryan Tannehill can have success? in this struggling offense. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, Chase, if it's cool, I think I'll start. Uh, Far away, I think um, I, I covered him for seven years, I guess, of his career. His, the first seven years of his career. He came in in 2012. Um, unlike Marcus, he didn't have the, the pedigree or the background. He wasn't a Heisman Trophy winner. He didn't go two overall, but he definitely came in. The Dolphins were hoping he was going to be the guy. Um, the, the funny part, and I've, I've been saying this on Twitter for the better part of the last year, ever since Tannehill was, was with Tennessee, he, he is as close to Marcus Mariota as any other quarterback you can see in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's got the pocket presence issues. He's, I think he's even more willing to stay in the pocket than Mariota is, and I think that's kind of to his downfall. I think he takes a lot of sacks in that way. Um, he doesn't throw the ball away when he needs to. Um, a couple of eye-popping stats just from his time in Miami. He was sacked 248 times, uh, spanning from 2012-2018. Like Mariotti, he had four different offense coordinators, if you count his Tennessee offense coordinator. He had four different head coaches. Um, his best head coach was Adam Gase. And, and I know I know the Jets turned it around last week against the Cowboys, but the jury's still out on, on how Gase is as a head coach. For sure. Yeah. How he is as a play caller, especially – the guy, Tannehill, couldn't audible until year three and four of his offense. I mean, you talk about, you know, the Titans kind of ruining Mariota. I think that's kind of been the theme of Twitter ever since he's been benched. But the same thing happened to Tannehill in, in, in Miami. Um, here's – I'll break it down simple because I, I just don't want to talk too long. But Tannehill, for me, he's got a bigger arm. I think he can zip it in a little better than Mariota, especially as of late what we've been seeing. We've been seeing incomplete passes from Mariota on, on four-yard outs. We've been seeing screen passes thrown short. Tannehill will he will rarely leave the ball short. He's gonna gun it in there. He's willing to take more risks from the pocket. I think you're gonna see him throw the ball downfield a little more, a little more willing. Um, the one thing I'm worried about is behind this O line that's shown that it's struggled thus far. I, I don't see him really raising the team's offense. I don't see him being head over heels better than what Mariota's been, especially with how bad this O line has been. Never had yeah. a defense like this. Never yeah. had an offensive line that has even come close to what the Titans was two years ago. Obviously it's bad now. Never had a Derrick Henry type running back. So I'm excited to see. It sounds like all he's got to do is manage the game and make a couple big throws on third down. I think the Titans could get some wins. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I think with Tannehill, you at least know there, there's a side of offensive pass. Like with the passing, you see that, that zip. Uh, We've all seen it in Marcus's, when he lost his like accuracy, that was his thing kind of coming out was how accurate he was. He was never going to have a gunslinger mentality, but he was going to, you know, put it on the money. And that's just gone. I don't, I mean, I, mm-hmm. and I know that's just a confidence thing. And the guy's been beat up and he's seeing ghosts out there a lot. And I know your, your biggest tweet this weekend, Trey, was that two man rush 
I mean, I know that was bad offensive line play, but it was also why the heck did Marcus leave that pocket? I mean, right. it just never made any sense, and he's just running out, and he's lost all confidence. But, I mean, with at least Tannehill has two 4,000-yard and one 3,900-yard season where Marcus has never even gone over, like, what, 3,400 or something like that? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you're going to lose – I don't know. I, I don't know what you lose as far as – you know the the trust in the team because Marcus has been there so long. That's just that's just gonna come. That's just that's just life. You know you're gonna trust in your guy. Those are your your buddies, your pals. But you know it was a weird day because people were gonna miss him, but they all know it's time. Yeah, and for me, it's something that when that change happened, I thought it happened a little late. I was expecting Tannehill to start from you know the third quarter on. Um, and to, to be honest, obviously, Chase, you and I specifically, we've been following the Titans for a long time, mm-hmm. and we've seen Mariota for the entire stint thus far. I'm honestly just ready for something new because when they do line up, you know what you're going to get from Marcus. You see it. You know, the, the Falcons game this year was a peak, probably one of his better games as a Titan or best game as a Titan, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but the entire year, he's been mediocre at best. And, and when Tannehill came in, and take this as, you know, for a grain of salt because – He's not the most beloved guy right now, but Roger Saffold did say there was a definite, you know, change, and it did it did give some spark to the to the offense whenever Tannehill did come in. But there were two plays in particular where we saw Tannehill. I mean, there was pressure within a yard, maybe you know, a few feet in front of him, coming directly at him, and he still stepped in the pocket and made a throw uh, to Corey Davis on an out uh, that converted for uh, you know first down. I think it was like a third and a five play, but. Um, but yeah, Eric, like you said, man, the offensive line, I think will will progressively get better week by week. I know that's probably a hot take right now because it has been so bad. Mm-hmm. But if you look from the Bills game to the Broncos game, there was a pretty exponential improvement as far as what they were able to do. LeJuan, I think his PFF grading was an 82.3 something. So he made a pretty big step up from a 35.4 or whatever it was during the Bills game. Um, I think Saffold still... Uh, you know, I think LeJuan's talked about it even on Bussin' with the boys. He, last year he got a big contract. He kind of came in and was a little bit, you know, more confident. I think Saffold's, you know, probably doing a little bit of the same there too. But um, but I think for, you know, a lot of folks who have seen, like Eric, as far as uh, just even breaking down film, I think Tannehill, his natural ability as far as just straight-up arm strength there were three or four passes that Marcus one hopped it or, you know, was completely off on. But, but Eric, tell me this, man, as far as I know there was a recent change in coaching staff in Miami. He's had, a, he's had his tenure. Is it something that Mar- it's the situation that Marcus is coming into right now where they're deciding if his, if he's worth the money. Yeah. Did, did Tannehill fail in Miami because he, they did not see him as an, a worthy investment or was it a change in, in, guard with the coaching staff or was it kind of an all the above thing yeah i mean that's that's a that's a tough question just because you know who who's really to know but i mean i think a lot of it had to do with the regime change i think you had you had coach flores coming in adam gase was in win now mode um the owner steven ross he was not in win now mode he wanted to kind of do what he hadn't done in, in the better part of a decade and and rebuild from scratch uh brings in brian flores and 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 i think just kind of you know, the, the question is, is how long is too long? Um, I think that's what we're seeing with Mariota. I think right. you see the flashes where you're like, holy cow, this guy's a franchise guy. You know, the Falcons game, for example, Mariota looked amazing. He's making timing throws. He's leading the offense down the field. He's making big time plays. And then the next week, he just kind of, for lack of better words, just he just doesn't have it. Uh, I think that's kind of what they saw in Miami was the up and down. Um, and I think especially when you look at the NFL draft class come up in 2020, you got your Burrow, you got your Love, you got your Tua, you got your Herbert. You've got a guy like Jalen Hurts who you can have in the second or third round. For Miami, it was a no-brainer. You, you got to move on. There's just There was a factor where he wasn't worth the money. And, he, and that's, that's the crazy thing. He's not even paid as, as high as people think. You know, a, mid, mm-hmm. a mid-tier top 20 quarterback in the NFL is costing you around $20 million a year these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just didn't matter. It wasn't in the plans for them. Uh, and the new coaching staff regime really, really made that evident. And then you see Gase go to New York, and he's saying, you know, Sam Darnold's the best quarterback I've ever had. He, he's not throwing shade at Tannehill, but you wonder maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe the confidence really wasn't with Tannehill his entire, you know, last two or three years there. 
Um, right. And I think that's what we're starting to see with Marcus. And that's definitely what's going to happen now that Tannehill's starting this week is th- those questions are going to arise. Right. Yeah. So maybe not yeah, the clearest th- answer, but. No. no, you're good. I think I think it is something as far as it's it's eerie how similar they are as players, but also how their their stint with the first team is is going. Because I think I think Mariota will get picked up in some type of situation, probably very similar to what Tannehill is in right now. Maybe come in as a backup and compete. Um, but as far as the offense, um, I know we talked to what he would have to do. The more I've thought about it since yesterday, last evening, whenever that news did come out that that Tannehill was the guy. Um, something that I listened to Greg Cosell today on the Midday 180 talk about basically how one of Tannehill's perks is that he does have the ability to sling it. And a lot of people have talked about how they just want Marcus to stand back there in the pocket and allow him just to grip it and rip it. And we've seen he has the the talent around – probably the best talent he's had his whole career with A.J. Brown, Corey Davis – um, I'm maybe it's just the optimist in me, or maybe I'm just in a desperate state right now. But I really think that that he can manage the game, come in, make those third down throws, make a touchdown pass, and let his guys get the ball downfield. But as far as what you know, this offense has been in light of Marcus's strengths and weaknesses. They've had to have a a run heavy offensive attack, right? Yeah. They rely heavily on the pa- the play action pass. Marcus has been really good in the red zone. So those are three things that have been kind of you want to cater to. And we saw that in 2016. He had a, his best statistical year. Obviously, DeMarco Murray, we've talked about that. The offensive line was fantastic. But it, we see it time and time again where these new quarterbacks come in, and then within a matter of a game or two, and then the following year, they're basically figured out. I think the same thing happened. And I think what the difference will be with Tannehill and, and Mariota in this situation right now is the fact that this will force defenses to adjust to Tannehill. He has a little bit different of a game, not very different, but they won't have to be kind of hamstrung to rely so heavily on the run. They can actually open up the run with some passing. And I, I think Tannehill can do that. Again, I, we've all said this, and I don't think it'll be light years you know, difference, but I think it, it frees up the – the OC and Arthur Smith to maybe call some more plays with those types of routes that Tannehill can make and Marcus can. Yeah. <clears throat> I think uh, I know Ballin, uh, he's actually first string on the uh, tight depth talk roster, but uh, he said today, you know, he's not going to win us the Super Bowl. Right. Uh, I, but at least you have, and even if it's just a little spark and offense is just a change, just a change. And that just makes a big difference. And, um, uh, you know, a quarter of a second difference, you know, whenever he makes a quicker decision, plus it's a little faster to, to Corey Davis or to AJ or to Delaney, you know, it's going to help a lot because there's a lot of times where I think Marcus is obviously compared to any of us throwing a football. It's an absolute rocket, but in the NFL comparison, it's, you know, it's a little lofty, it's a little softer. And I, I think sometimes that, that prevents guys from, you know, keep keeping ahead of steam sometimes, but and I hope that that, that zip from Tannehill really is a thing, and we get to see a little bit of extra pizzazz or whatever you want to call it, lack of a better word. But that's what I'm hoping for out of Tannehill. Trey I, and Trey and Chase, I do. I want to ask you guys this because it's been a hot topic on Titans Twitter all week. Um, a lot of people are questioning Vrabel's decision to even go to Tannehill, especially when they did in that game against Denver. Um, I'm interested to hear y'all, your guys' thoughts, and, and I, I've got an opinion on this too. Do you guys think that was the right time, and and what do you think Tannehill's impact in that game was? Like, how do you, how do you think he looked compared to Marcus in that game? Obviously, smaller sample size, but yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Chase. Um, I I thought it was a little bit late. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of with Tra- I know Trey said it a little bit earlier, but I, I thought it was one of those. Why why did we not just come out of halftime? Um, it wasn't a huge jump. As far as that goes, I thought that defense was just already on fire and our offensive line was making a few mistakes here and there and I thought we just kind of lost it. And So it wasn't like a humongous change, but Marcus was just – it was just bad, just bad all around. And I thought – I mean, I, I legit was about ready to quit and I just kept it on, you know, just in the background. It was just such a boring game no matter what. And I didn't think that we made these huge strides. I thought it would be better if we came out at halftime – with a new change, and uh, I think that, you know, I think we all like Marcus so much. That's why this is a tougher decision. 
Yeah, I think as far as you know, six games into the season, I think it does give Mario the generous amount of time that I think you know for what he's done for the organization. I think that was a good you know as far as timing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if if they went into that game in Tannehill. Um, was ready, you know, for Marcus to be that bad and to go in, but obviously he's coming off the bench. I like, I, like I said earlier, I think he could have come back or come out after halftime. Uh, I had seen enough in that last, I think Marcus's interception, where yeah. he he just kind of got tossed around or he was stepping up in the pocket and just heaved it up to Darius Jennings. I, I'm of the belief of in that situation. Brett Kern's been fantastic. Just take the sack, let him punt, and see what the defense can do. But I think that gave him a little extra uh, as far as some yardage to, to be closer to the end zone, which was, you know, enough of a, a distance to score. Um, but, yeah, it's been a really hot topic. And, obviously, what I've noticed, and I tweeted this out today, it, it, you're kind of having a division in fans, obviously. It's not just the Marcus lovers and the Marcus haters on, on each side. It's now the Titans fans who've been loyal to this team since Steve McNary, George, you, you now have those fans that love Marcus Mariota in a second yeah. category who are realizing, hey, probably not the, the guys. It's We've all seen this over and over again. And then you have all those people who followed him from Oregon, the West Coast, Hawaii, that are, are diehard Mariota supporters. I mean, obviously, as a guy, you love Marcus Mariota. I've, I've got two daughters, and I'm thinking if they're of age, I would ask Marcus, please, marry my daughters you're a stand-up guy yeah you know i mean you you love the guy you love the guy no one has ever questioned who he is people say he's a little soft-spoken and and he could probably say more maybe to invigorate the team but it's not a a, you know a prerequisite to be an nfl quarterback to be loud or anything like that but but it's just those same fundamental things that we see every single game at some point uh not stepping into throws his footwork is kind of cockeyed uh he and, and like chase mentioned earlier that play where they had 10 guys on the field and they only rushed two guys down and he just gets skittish and I, I i get why he's doing what he's doing i really do i mean right now if he were to get hurt and have some type of substantial injury he goes into the free agent market in 2020 and has no value at all yeah um so i mean as far as timing i think it's probably best to you know for his sake to protect him but also just to give Mar- uh Tannehill some opportunity to see what he can do uh, from here on, but my question for you guys, kind of moving on, speaking of Mariota, do you think this is the last time this Broncos game was the last time that we'd seen Marcus Mariota take a snap for the Tennessee Titans? Uh, I mean, judging off of, you know, kind of the trajectory that he's gone, which is, you know, roller coaster for a large part of his career uh, and now kind of on the decline, I think it is. I think well, here's the thing. I think it depends on how the season plays out. I think if the Titans are in a position, you know, with a top 10 pick, top eight pick, and one of those top four or five quarterbacks is still on the board when they come in the draft, I think, I think they're going to move on. I, I just really think they are. Uh, and the other, the other half of that is how much value, if any, can they get for him, if they even can before. But I, I just don't see where they're going to keep him on, especially if, if he's not in their plans as a starter. Right. Um, but I think I think a lot of it depends. Again, if 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 there's no better option next year, and and they're they're not getting one of those top quarterbacks, I, I could see them trying to stick with them one more year. But I think the fan base is going to move on. I think I don't think they're going to have a choice really at the end of the year. Yeah, I'm afraid so. <clears throat> yeah, because I don't know what we're going to be able to draft up to get because <clears throat> as Burrow continues to rise on these ranks and. You know, I know Trey. You know, I've joked about it since like week two of college football. You know, Broadway <laughs> Joe Burrow is. We were the first, man. <laughs> we were the first, baby. We started this. Me, me, you, and Big Chill Meadows were the first to start this fire. And I, and I know, like, that would be an awesome thing to have. And you see how well he's doing in college, but I think he's going to move up too high. And you guys all know, there's the quarterback panic, and it's going to be a, a bidding war. It looks like to me with. Probably Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Bucks is also looking. Mm-hmm. They're in a similar spot. You got a couple other teams that are in that weary position, and I don't know, man. We're gonna have to compete with already the tanking Dolphins and Cincinnati and all these other bad teams. That I don't know, man. We're gonna have to really make some moves to and sell the house probably. And I just don't know if Marcus is part of that package. Um, it's tough, man. I, I just. 
and I and I hate to see say if you know if Tannehill comes out and pulls a Nathan Peterman and throws three or four picks. Vrabel didn't sound super confident that he wouldn't go back to Marcus and the presser today and yesterday. So I don't know. I, I think that that's also a scary part of they're they're going to have this weird sense of well maybe it's me this week on the two quarterbacks. Trey, if, if do you think uh, I want to piggyback off what Chase just said because I, I like what yeah. you just said the Vrabel's again Vrabel even said in his press conference you know if it's if thing, basically if things aren't working out with Tannehill Marcus is ready to play no matter what uh, in that this is this is something we've been working on at Pro Football Network because we're we like PFF's stats but we're trying to find a more specific way to analyze somebody like Tannehill and Mariota who are Mariota excuse me who are so close where you really can't analyze how how different they are mm-hmm. in that in that Denver game our offensive share of metric which just basically uh, shows an individual's performance how he impacted his overall offense Mariota had a negative grade which means he actually hurt the Titans offense in that game and Tannehill came in and, and you look at stat lines and you're like they both threw a pick yeah. Tannehill didn't score Mariota didn't score Tannehill had a grade of, of roughly 32, 33, and 35 is considered very, very good. Okay. Mm-hmm. For, for reference, Russell Wilson – or Kirk Cousins on the year is leading with a 35 in week six. Mm. So, I mean – and he, he played a flawless game. So, it's interesting. And, and OSM measures things like how aggressive is the quarterback being. T- uh, Tannehill actually took more throws that were in tighter windows. He threw the ball down the field with more intended air yards, so, a.k.a. he threw the ball down the field more. Mm. That so so looking at that kind of thing, I, I think what we've been looking at Pro Football Network is what are the what is the difference between these two players that are this close? Uh, and in that Denver game, it was a matter of literally just decision making. So right. I think that's something to keep an eye on. And if Tannehill's decision making is not good, we could see Mariota coming right back in. So yeah, yeah and it's 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 an interesting thing because a couple of days ago, you know, Vrabel did mention obviously after I think it was the Monday presser. Um, this week's kind of been a blur, but just the, the presser on Monday, Vrabel did say, I don't want this position to be a revolving door. And then today he kind of goes back on that a little bit and says, right. You know, if it's not working with Tannehill, which I mean, I get it. Like if it's not working, you got to, and there's also that thought in the back of everyone's mind, you know, does this first time for Mariota to be benched? Is it a, is it a, you know, a sobering moment? Does he have a different perspective on the sideline and just be able to kind of reorient himself? But to be honest, I think uh, barring some type of you know injury to Tannehill, uh, I have a hard time seeing him come back through. I, I again, I am more optimistic in what he can bring. And like you just mentioned, Derek, I mean, there's little things in Tannehill's game because it was evident. It was the eye test, that, you know, of, of what we're talking about. Because the stats show Marcus has been one of the more you know decisive, you know, better. Uh, you know, better use of the ball hasn't turned it over except for right. his last game. But that does not really tell the whole story as far as the entire season. He has been, right. with exception of that Falcons game, been very average at best in my opinion. But again, the, you know, there's the QBR now that the ESPN has, and I think his is one of the lower right now in the NFL. Right. Um, with, with even with his stats being what they were, but it's just something to me. I mean, you got to think of this too from an organizational side. Obviously, the, the team that drafted Marcus Mariota at the time, Ken Wisenhunt, I believe it was Rustin Webster. This is a completely different, or, you know, organization now. They've been well established. They've had the draft. They've had the univ- you know the uniform reveal party. Uh, <coughs> there is legitimate leadership in place here now. Yeah, it's unfortunate for Marcus. I think in the in the hot topic right now is did the Titans fail the Marcus or did Marcus fail the organization? And a lot of people have said this, but it's a combination of both, in my opinion. Yeah, um, definitely. So, I mean, it, it's it's. Do I think he'll you know move on? Yes. Uh, in what capacity, I really don't know. But it's one of those things to me that obviously time will tell. But I, I did want to kind of circle back as far as the draft. This has been a big conversation that a lot of people haven't quite gotten to yet uh, with Burrow and Tua and all the all the the quarterbacks coming out. But the the the, the teams in need, according to the DraftNetwork.com. As far as a primary need for quarterback, you have the Bengals. Uh, let's see here. The Colts are thrown in there. Obviously, Miami. Uh, the Vikings are in there as well. Let's see. You could even, I think, one of their you know later needs on, on the list would be the Redskins. You got, you got to think about the Bucks too with what's going on yeah, with Jameis. Yeah, exactly. Buccaneers. 
Uh, and then Titans, and I, I don't know if I mentioned the Vikings already, uh, yeah. but they're, they're on there as well. So a lot of opinions, and let me know what you guys think. But my question is, and I had this up on, on Twitter today, how much is too much to give up to move up to get one of those top-tier quarterbacks in the first round? Chase, you want to go ahead? Yeah, man. Um, sure. Well, let's do my because I feel like a lot of our young guys and a lot of our very young talented guys are wide receivers and in our defense, and you really don't want to give up either one of those because we've not had we finally got wide receivers that are talented. They're young, and there's still a lot of room to improve. I think with Corey. And with Brown, I, I think both of them are very good, and they're going to wind up being much better. But you don't want to give up either one of those. I, I don't know what we have as far as stash draft picks left. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you're definitely looking at your first. Um, and I, that's another part is John Robinson's been so good about making moves that nobody else really sees. So it's a part of it that I, I think he'll make some sort of move. I think that uh, he'll figure some way that we're not even seeing right now. But oh man, I, you but you have to if you're in the quarterback game, you have to move up as high as you possibly can and give up probably a little too much. So I mean, a yeah. first, a first, a second, and like a fifth plus some sort of skill player. I think that's what you're going to have to give up, and I think that's kind of what you. I, I'd sigh, but I'd be like, okay, if we're getting Joe Burrow if he's the real deal. Yeah, send send me on home. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Chase hit the hit the nail on the head. I think I think one thing to look. I think we can play the guessing game now. The Bengals are awful. Yeah, Miami is is almost a lock for the first pick. Uh, those two teams are almost definitely taking a quarterback. You know, it'd be shocking if they didn't take the two. Um, exactly. <laughs> let's let's just say you know I don't I don't know what y'all's big boards look like. Let's say two and Herbert go. One, two, boom, boom to those two teams. That's that's um, how they're ranked right now, according to Drew. Yeah, exactly. So, so you know, you can't play the guessing game ever in the NFL, but let's just assume that's kind of what's what the thinking is. Uh, what's again? What's going to happen with the Titans this year? Is, is Tannehill going to lead them to a couple wins? Is Mario going to come in and lead them a couple wins? Are they going to be in the top ten? Because even I think in this draft, I think this is the draft you want to make a move for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, twenty twenty one, you got tw- Trevor Lawrence and you got Justin Fields, and and good luck playing the lottery with those guys. Right. Um, you, you, and the asking price for Trevor Lawrence by that time is going to be astronomical. Um, I think in a top, if the Titans can stay in the top ten, I think a Burrow, a move for a Burrow, a move for a. Uh, a love if if you if you grade them that high a lot of people don't a move for i know i know a move for hurts maybe to get back into the end of the first round or high second those are not you know break the absolute bank moves if you're within striking range if the titans finish in the 16 17 range like they have been for the better part of the last decade you're asking you're asking for a whole lot more but i think chase hit the nail on the head for sure, you're first. We're looking at maybe a 2021 first, and then you're mm-hmm. going to have to throw in a second as well or a skill play. You know what I mean? So this is the year, I think, for the Titans, though. It, it, it's almost a blessing this has happened. You know, you hate to see it happen to a good guy like Mariota, but if there's a year you need a quarterback – I forgot about Fromm. I didn't even mention him. Yeah. This, this is the year for a quarterback if you need one. So the Titans are actually, you know, consider themselves lucky if they can stay in that, that striking zone range. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I mean, just to just to bring it up since we talked about it, as far as what the Titans have going into 2020, they gave up a fourth for Tannehill. They gave up a seventh for Reggie Gilbert, defensive end. Uh, and then they got a seventh for Taewon Taylor. Um, so right now, I mean, you got one, two, three, five, six, and then looks like a seventh, I believe. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so my my how much is too much? I think at least at a minimum you're looking at this year's first, next year's first, and maybe a third round, and and some you know if we're talking just draft picks. Yeah, um, right. I'm of the right. You know, obviously there's a lot of football to be left to be played, both collegiate and NFL. Um, but in this hypothetical situation, if Tannehill goes out, has a good year, I could see them extending him as a backup potential starter draft a rookie quarterback and then you've got you know a solid starter potential starter and a rookie or if Tannehill goes either way kind of you know let the rookie get in groom him a little bit let him see Tannehill prepare blah 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 you know the Aaron Rodgers Brett Favre you know similarity kind of thing Um, 
but to me, I mean, the list right now, you know, and you mentioned this a second ago, Eric, but two is first, Herbert second, Burroughs third, and climbing. Jalen Hurts is fourth and climbing. Uh, Fromm's at five, Jordan Love, Jacob Eason, Cole McDonald of Hawaii, and we're getting into names, and then Sam Ellinger uh, is number 10. Um, it's it's deep, but I think, you know, it's one of those things, and obviously – John Robinson's a guy that he, you know, he's been on record with like Mike Keith has said he'll never overpay or give up too much for anybody. Uh, right. Drafting included. But to me, it's one of those things. This this team, and I think we talked about it a week or two ago, or maybe Chase Weeks a while ago, but this team seems really similar to the uh, Alex Smith Chiefs before the P- Patrick Mahomes era. You know, solid team. Titans have a great defense right now. Brett Kern is a guy that needs to be retired as a Titan one day. You fix a couple of things on the offensive line and draft a rookie quarterback who can come out and be that guy. So I'm thinking at a minimum this year's first, next year's first, and a third-round pick just to, I mean, put butts in the seats, put a guy in that you can finally have a, you know, a high-flying passing, you know, first offense, which a lot of people and a lot of fans – even the most loyal fans have been wanting, but I think that's what you got to do to uh, to upgrade the team. And um, I mean, I trust John Robinson still. I know he's been kind of scrutinized recently, <laughs> Clay Travis, who I yeah. don't, don't necessarily yeah. agree with. Um, but yeah, it's man, this is such a complicated situation. I, I'm excited to see what he does. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. But um, thank you so much for coming on, man. This has been a lot of fun, especially with the, uh, the fear of the unknown with Tannehill. Thanks for speaking to that, but also giving us some of your takes for Titans uh, going f- in, into the future. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to thank you both for having me on. Um, I'm happy to talk anytime on the show. I'm, I'm slowly becoming a Titans fan living here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's nice to see, you know, some wins in the win column for this Titans team compared to my Dolphins. But um, I think, uh, I think I just want to say thanks again. And I'm excited to see how he plays on Sunday and, uh, I'm, a, I'm a stats guy, so I'm, I'm going to be watching Pro Football Network's uh, offensive share metrics for these two guys, especially if Mariota gets back in. Um, and I, I'm really excited to see what Tannehill can do, uh, just like Mariota is a great guy. So I, I really hope he does well. Ever since he left Miami, I, I've been rooting for him. So thanks to both of you guys. Um, we'll love man. to come on in the future and, and go Titans, tighten up. Yeah, um, tighten up, brother. And, Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. No yes, sir. Yeah, and for all of our listeners, make sure and, uh, and follow Eric on Twitter. It's Roddy PFN. That's R-O-D-D-Y-P-F-N. Great follow. Again, he's getting some statistics. We, we, we all love and rely on PFF as far as what they bring, but it's also nice to have a secondary option. Uh, so give him a follow, and thanks again, Eric, for joining us. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, buddy. Take care. All right, folks. Um, we're going to move on to some other Titans topics now. Um, we are looking for uh, this week, and it's been slated, it's been talked about, Jeffrey Simmons is coming. Uh, yep. Got his first practice in today. It's like one of those few optimistic <clears throat> things that we can look at right now as Titans fans and kind of pump our fist because this defense is already stout. They're they're averaging 15, uh, allowing 15.3 points per game, which again, to Tannehill in the offense, just put a few touchdowns on the board, two, you know, a field goal, maybe three touchdowns, and we can actually be competitive and win some games. Um, but Chase, let me ask you, brother, how good can this defense be with Jeffrey Simmons uh, coming in? I believe he's playing this week in a limited role. For sure, next week I, I would expect his role to increase as time goes on. But how good can this defense be with him? Uh, very good. I mean, little things. Because I know this week we've got Cameron Wake doubtful, Sharif Finch doubtful, Jalen Brown very doubtful. Um, so – the fact that you're going to have three of your main guys, these rollers that come in, um, Jeffrey Simmons is going to add a little piece that just depth as far as the next couple games will be really nice to have. But then later on, he's going to get the feel. And, man, it's just going to be scary because we've been so good these last what, four games. And I, I just can't think of it getting much better for us because of the offensive struggles. But, uh, you know, we, they always talked about how these old school right now, I'm not comparing. I don't think we're the Ravens defense of the Super Bowl era, but I mm-hmm. do think I do think that it's kind of similar as far as the context where those defenses kept them in game so much where the offense doesn't have to play lights out. And 
especially in the next two games because, you know, you have Tampa Bay and uh, the Chargers who are both struggling, and mm-hmm. Tampa, Tampa Bay gives up the most passing yards in the league, and the Chargers' offensive line is way worse than ours is. So I think it's going to be a nice little coming out party even this week, even if it's 12 to 15 plays, you know. Right. What if he gets a sack? What if he gets a couple quarterback hurries? That's just going to excite everybody because he's going to have to play a little bit this week, I think, with all the rotations and stuff like that. And everybody's beat up. You know, it's that time of year. Yeah, and, and to me, the good news is, obviously, Darrell Casey's light, you know, one of our best players on the roster. Yeah. Uh, Daquan Jones has been scrutinized in the past. He's getting paid a lot of money, but this year he's been playing pretty damn good ball. Yep, yep. Um, but it adds that third piece in that rotation. Obviously, I think he, as he increases his, his snaps, Daquan Jones' role will, will, will kind of take a step back, but it's a great rotation, yeah. if you ask me. I think also it, it obviously frees up Jarrell Casey uh, with double teams. Yeah. But even just what one guy can do with a secondary like this, what does it mean for Harold Landry? You mentioned there, you know, uh, Cameron Wake and Sharif Finch are both doubtful this week, but it just opens up opportunities for other guys just to get to the quarterback. Reggie Gilbert, he's known for his, his run defense. But the guy can still rush the passer. I think yeah. he, you know, obviously he'll benefit. Um, but for all those, you know, obviously a lot of Titans fans know these things. I just want to make it clear for those who do not know this. Uh, but Jeffrey Simmons, Mississippi State, played three years. Uh, his senior year uh, had 58 total tackles. Uh, let's see here. Passes defense three. Knows how to get his, get his hands up. Not a huge sack guy, but more of the run defender guy. Um, and this is one of those things. I mean, you just take – especially with Dean Pease's defense, you just take another card in the deck because uh, Dean Pease is known for those cornerback blitzes and linebacker blitzes where if this guy can free up a defensive te- or a, an offensive guard or center from pulling or moving to the next level of a linebacker and free up a, a Rashawn Evans who's playing lights out, yeah. uh, Wesley Woodyard will be in with Jayon Brown being out with the groin injury. But, I mean, a guy like this, is, is we've seen it with Albert Hainsworth. It's been a long time since we've had a defensive tackle at this, what, what is he, 6'4", 305? Yeah, big uh, boy. Just a monster, man, and I'm, I'm looking forward to him. I'm glad uh, he's back. I, I know he's been patient. He's talked about how his faith has helped him kind of stay patient, just trusting the process for all that. But, yeah, I, I'm excited, man. And, again, it's something to me um, for his sake, but also I think he just – I think – we talked about it during the, the the draft how ESPN runs the package of of a high school you know assault issue. Um, I think he has an opportunity, and he's now obviously with Titans fans. The way he's handled himself through this process, he's been quiet. He's kept his head down. Worked hard. Uh, yeah, I mean, you just got to have nothing but respect for the guy. But um, but let's take a look on the other side of the ball with some big uglies. Obviously, the offensive line has been very much sub sub subpar. Um, and I want to bring this up because it's been a pretty hot debate. A lot of people are calling for, for heads, calling for jobs. People get fired. Keith Carter's been one. Um, and I have a little bit of an opinion on this, but I want to get yours first, Chase. Who's to blame for the offensive line issues? Is it the offensive line that the individual guys playing, or is it the offensive line coach, Keith Carter? Um, I'm, I'm not going to tell you. I'm, I think it's a little bit of both, but actually I put this on the offensive line. Especially to me, Saffold, the biggest disappointment because how many times have you and I been texting back in our group text of how does Roger Saffold get put on his butt or just get worked at least two or three times a game? Mm-hmm. And those are big plays, and it's right off the block, and he just gets crushed. And you're like, how does this guy, how does this guy that was looking so good with the Rams just come in here and he has these these huge blunders like he he'll he'll come back and he'll step back up and play really well but he also has these humongous blunders where he gets just crushed two or three times a game and that cause big plays and cause huge mess ups and I, I think it's a little bit mostly the offensive line I think uh, I think Lawan struggled a little bit in that first game he probably mm-hmm. was a little anxious um, probably wasn't just you know how it is you're not banging and beating for four weeks and you're just not we're, you know, you're just not ready for yeah. that just yet. So I think it's a little bit more so on the offensive line than Keith. What are you thinking? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, it's something to me. 
if the guys are, are executing their jobs and the scheme's not working, that's where I think you look at coaches, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. if they're just if it's not working, if it's banging your head against the wall and expecting a different result every time. But like you mentioned, I mean, across the line, Nate Davis, uh, a lot of hopes for him coming out of the you know, the, the draft. Obviously, a small school guy from Charlotte. Um, yeah, I, I know Keith Carter. He's been a guy, and this but this has been a big talking point for him. But he's had three or four games where he's had seven, I think nine and eleven sacks, including the last year's Raven, you know, Ravens game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to divide it up because I know uh, some of those sacks we're talking about quarterback. We talked about it earlier with Eric, quarterback moving in out of the pocket and exposing himself to other pass rushers, and, and obviously Marcus has been very skittish. So I, I think there's that's got to be you know kind of throwing the hat there. Yeah. Um, but Saffold, Nate Davis, both have been blown off the ball. Jack Conklin seems to be on his butt a lot too. I mean, he's changed his base. He's been more upright in his pass protection. But yeah, um, a lot of the conversation too has been why is Kelly not moved to guard? Why is Conklin not moved to guard and put Kelly in at tackle? Um, and I mean, there's, there's, I, I get why the Titans are doing what they're doing. You yeah. have to have three solid tackles, one for depth, two to go on the right and the left hand side. But my thing is, and this is something that everyone's talked about, he's been a savior in some games. He's been injured the last two seasons. This this season he's been, what, three or four games now? I think he might have played one. He's played I, one. Yeah. But Kevin Pamphill, last year, week two, Texans game, he came in and he held his own against J.J. Watt, Davion Clowney, and he's earned his keep. But I, that's that's the one guy that I keep seeing, like today on the injury report. He's not on the report. Um, but last week, for some reason, he was a – I don't know if it was a healthy scratch, but he didn't go. But you put him in at right guard, I think it helps Jack Conklin a lot. Yeah. Um, and I, I just – it's a it's a hard bargain for me to, even with the amount of sacks allowed thus far, to be talking about firing anybody. Yeah. And I think that's – you think it's a little bit of a scapegoat thing as far as – uh, this offensive line has struggled, but it's also had some reworkings. And, you know, when you bring back Lawan, he wasn't playing the first four weeks. Uh, Nate Davis is a rookie, Pamphile being injured. Do you think that's a little bit of scapegoatism as far as firing I'm, Keith Carter? It's a little, yeah, I think the, the, like a tribalism, like someone's got to be, yeah, yeah. This, you know, the sacrifice. And I, and I agree with what you're saying. Like, to make him the scapegoat for all the problems, it's a really lazy thing, in my opinion, to say mm-hmm. because play it out. Like, if you fire Keith Carter right now, and this, you know, the scheme. You got to find someone who knows the scheme or teach them the scheme to teach the offensive line. Russ Grimm obviously had a good year in 2016, but guess what? I mean, it was one year. Mike Munchak's not going to come back to Nashville unless they, what they trade for him. Or, or <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a lot of hypothetical, like you know, and people have been using this term a lot, which I think is very accurate. But everyone's playing Madden, and that's just, I mean, a part of like Twitter. Yeah, is trade, you know, trade Deion Lewis and trade Mariota. It's like nobody wants those guys, man. Nobody is going to give a thing, a dollar for a guy, for Marcus Martin, who's going to be walking in seven, what, six months. Mm -hmm. Uh, He'll be a free agent and just buy him then, you know. But to me, I think the only thing that happens if you fire anybody, Arthur Smith, Mike Vrabel has been got, you know, he's been on the hot seat. Apparently, I don't think he's going anywhere. No. But you fire somebody, and all it does is just basically set off a time bomb within the organization of dysfunction and confusion for players. But what what do you think? And, I mean, yeah, same question to you. Uh, I, I definitely do. I think it's a little bit of scapegoatism. And, and I will say, I, there are times this year where I felt like people in this staff have been a little bit over their head. And mm-hmm. then there's other times where I'm like, wow, Arthur Smith's play calling was very good this game. Or that we were very efficient. And then you're like, what happens the next game? I mean, there these, you know, the Browns and the Falcons, granted, we've seen both are not very good, um, especially the Falcons defense, my goodness. But uh, I, we just look bad against solid defenses. And, and, you know, the Bills are still top four to five defenses in the league. Yeah, and I get not that. Not a bad team. I got that. And, and we both, we even talked about it going into that game. That was going to be a snoozer. That was going yeah. to be exactly what it was, 14 to 7. And if you're not a fan of either one of those teams, you didn't want to watch it. That's fine. Right. I get that. But then there's a, there's other times where I'm like, if we go out and we just lay an egg against the Los Angeles Chargers, 
Um, which that's the first time I've actually said Los Angeles instead of San Diego. <laughs> They're San Diego. <laughs> San Diego Chargers. They've got to earn it, man. They got to be earn- they got to earn to be called Los Angeles. Yeah, but we can't we can't go out and do that. And I think our defense is too good. And I've seen what's happened to them the last three or four weeks. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's a little bit of scapegoatism. But we just got to get some continuity throughout the organization, not just on the team. So right. Yeah, and something that Tannehill talked about in his press conference today, which I'm glad they put him up there to take questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Chad Withrow midday when he was saying he sounds similar to Marcus as far as the answers that you're supposed to say, and you know, he said, uh, "How did you know? Who told you?" Uh, as far as you getting the start, and he said, "Vrabel." There's really yeah. you know one one word answers, but he did say something that caught my attention because he says it's all you know kind of related on the offensive side of the ball. The, the the amount of sacks that I've you know that have been you know given up uh, as far as getting the ball out quick receivers getting open the what we talked about this with Eric a second ago where he he shines is getting the ball out quick and getting it into these anticipatory throws mm-hmm. that uh, we saw and and that's why I, I grow more and more optimistic and Eric and I had talked a long time ago I think via Twitter about how Tannehill's never had a 100-yard uh, rusher except for J.H.I., I think, one season he had just yeah. to take some pressure off of him. So I think it's really easy for Titans fans, especially with, I mean, the likes of Matt Castle, Blaine Gabbert, uh, for him to – for all fans to ha- kind of have that knee-jerk reaction with a backup coming in that's going to be, you know, basically a shit show and nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I, I think as far as – I think it's going to help the offensive line to kind of make that full circle there. Yeah. But something that you mentioned is obviously – we talked about the defense. Like, the amount of points given up, obviously 16 points last week, 14 points from the Bills. We beat the, the Falcons, 20 points from, from the Jaguars, 19 points from the Colts, and then we blew out the, the, the Browns. Yeah. This offense does not have to do a lot. And no. it's to me – we could be, you know, I know someone mentioned it with, you know, if we had a kicker for the Colts game, we could have won that game. Same for the Jaguars, or no, excuse me, the Bills game. Yeah. Uh, the record could be very different right now as far mm-hmm. as wins and losses. If, if, and, and you mentioned this as far as like Lawan being out, everything that's could have gone wrong right now with our, with our open spots, it's gone wrong. Yeah. Um, I think we mentioned it earlier, but Lawan had a great game or a much better game than the Bills game uh, a couple weeks ago, but, I'm really optimistic, and maybe I'm the only one, but it is Thursday. I've always said, you know, Thursdays, it's my day to kind of get more and more optimistic and buy back in with the Titans. But yeah. I really think – I think Tannehill can do some some pretty great stuff. But let me ask you this, Chase, and we'll, and we'll use this kind of to, to, to close out here. How do the Titans beat the Chargers? Okay. So, what the what, reason I think that I think Tannehill's actually going to come out and have a good game is because I think our pass rush is going to get to him. Um, I think – I know with Sheree Finch and Cameron Wake out, but even adding Jeffrey Simmons in for 12 plays gives our big boys a break. And that's Casey being able to go, you know, five or seven plays a little bit more faster pace, a little bit a little bit harder, a little bit right. stronger. And that, their offensive line is horrendous. And we saw Phillip Rivers just literally having to throw stuff up. And if you're going to throw stuff up, Kevin Byard and Kenny Vaccaro – um, and I know our corners get – I mean, Logan Ryan has been fantastic. I think he's actually rated out right now as the number one slot corner. But I know people give Butler a hard time too. But if you loft it up there and you give these guys time to undercut, they're going to pick it off. He, he's mm-hmm. going to have a lot of short fields to play with. And I think that's what we're going to do is we're going to force some punts. We're going to force some turnovers. Um, I know Eckler coming out of the backfield is going to be tough to cover for some of our linebackers, especially with Jay on out. But I think we'll be able to cover that up, too. I think we just have to play smart. And I think that's the way we're going to beat them is we're just going to play such solid defense. We're going to make them have short fields. Um, and our defense is going to have a fantastic game this week, I think. And we're going to – Tannehill just has to do enough, I think, this week. And I think they're going to have yeah. to, you know, handle Henry. And that's going to be a tough task because I think we're going to run a lot this week. I think we're really yeah. going to run it. So, what's your I thoughts? Mean, I think – I think it, just to carry off the offensive, the offensive game plan of running Henry, we've seen so many times on Instagram stories or his post, Henry's in the gym a lot. Oh yeah, the guy is a guy that can can be the workhorse. I wish he could catch a little bit better, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Obviously, but um, 
my thing is, as as we all know this, but Deion Lewis's role I think has to be phased out. I think Rod Smith is a guy that can be utilized in pass protection because, again, last week there was a couple plays where uh, linebackers are intentionally left let through the garden, the A gap and the B gap for running backs to pick up. And Deion Lewis, I mean, just gets shook, yeah. uh, forces Marcus up in the pocket, and then he gets skittish and, and starts running. Um, but I think I think Rod Smith can be utilized that way. I think you can split uh, Dion's role between uh, Dalen Dawkins and Rod Smith and be just fine. Yeah. Um, but like you said, man, I, I think it's it's. I, I don't care how we win. I don't care if it's ugly and like we talked about with the Bills game. It's fourteen seven. It's a low scoring, not a fun game to watch. It's, it's not a you know L.A. Rams and. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, no. you know, popcorn, get your popcorn ready kind of game. No. I don't care how we win, just win. And I, and yeah. I think you're right. Uh, I think – and just to kind of tie into a different topic, if you fire Mike Vrabel, there's no DMPs. And if there's no DMPs in Mike Vrabel, there's no top five, top three defense right now yeah. as far as points allowed. And I think it's just – I think a lot of these kinks are going to get worked out, man. I really do. And um, – I'm optimistic for sure, but uh, Me too. the the one guy I'm concerned about, obviously, is Keenan Allen. You've got a guy at quarterback that can do it. So if our defensive line somehow gets stuffed up and Rivers gets some time, I mean, Keenan Allen's the guy that you can just kind of heave it up to and he can make some acrobatic plays. Yeah. Um, Jerry Tillery for the defensive line has been good. I mean, uh, I'm not sure who all – I think uh, <coughs> one of the Pouncey twins plays center for them. I'm not sure if it's Marcus. Let me see here. I believe it's uh, – I'm going to have to look it up later, but he's out on IR. Uh, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram both concern me too. But Yeah, and their defense has been better. Uh, they, now, their passing attack, I know they're, they're pretty high up on the passing per game rating on de- defensively given up, but that's probably a product of teams being up on them, being able to ground and pound. Um, so we'll see as far as – what our offense looks like. And I mean, they're 11th and rush 11th or 11th worst in the league. I should say. Yeah. As far as rushing attack goes. So we'll see, man. I really think that we're going to turn and burn on them and use the play action and let them fly a couple times. Let's see what that arm looks like. So. Yeah. I'm excited, man. I really am. Me I'm too. optimistic. It's Thursday, but uh, we'll see what happens. You'll on see, Sunday. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but just to end this thing, if your eyes are, are new to us, make sure to check us out at chat 10 sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find all of our articles, social media links, our podcast feeds as, the, as, as far as wherever you listen. Um, but thank you so much for listening, and I hope you guys have enjoyed the podcast. Make sure and subscribe. Also, uh, Chase, go ahead and tell the folks where they can find you online, sir. Oh, on the Twitters, you can find me at mcgreen423 and on Instagram at chaser3050, man. And uh, as always, tighten up. Tighten up. Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at T-R-E-S-W-I-N-N. Be a part of the community with us. Make sure and uh, have a great rest of your week and tighten up on Sunday, boys. Let's go. Peace.